This is Luke, one of your co-hosts from People's History of the Old Republic. What you're about to hear is a review that Kelsey and I did for Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. We just wanted to talk about it, talk about how it's going to fit in, talk about stuff we, we did like, stuff we maybe didn't like. And uh, to, it's just a free-flowing conversation that doesn't have... Um, that doesn't have a lot of structure so um you know it's a bit different than than our normal thing and also i uh, just wanted to go ahead and say again that uh, spoilers all the spoilers absolute spoilers this is your spoiler warning please do not listen until you are ready but then please do listen and let us know what you thought because we would love to hear um and yeah if you didn't like the movie well that's okay uh you know, hopefully we'll get better stuff from the, you know, the next movies coming out. And if you did like the movie, then that's awesome. Because it's really good when you like the latest movie. Uh, other than that, we're going to uh, issue the normal opening. And I'm just going to start with uh, the only question I think I can really ask. Uh, Kelsey, what the hell was that? I... It certainly was... A sequence of moving images <laughs> that used the tropes of and characters from the Star Wars universe. Um, and as such, because it was put out by by the, the, the owners of Star Wars, it is canon now that... <laughs> Uh, the Rise of Skywalker is canon. This is a thing we get to um, have in canon forever now, basically. Um, that's certainly something. That's true. That's true. Now, now I, I do, I do want to stress something here, and that is that we've uh, we're both old enough to remember when the Phantom Menace came out, and. Uh, <clears throat> You know there was uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of vitriol then, and since it's been massaged and you know molded into something that that made you know that made a little bit more sense. You might not like the movie, but you know there there are probably parts of it that you enjoy. So um, I would say that I, I don't I don't know how they're going to cover up some of this, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that there's going to be, you know, one of those Darth Plagueis type novels from the from legends, like where it gives like a a, a kind of cool background to like midichlorians and you know uh, the the chosen one thing and all that shit. So. Yeah, and so one of the things I think that's probably worth talking about um, right now is the way that. Um, the way that broader stuff, broader fiction in the Star Wars universe is sort of established and then either percolates up or filters down from the movies, right? Because um, Star Wars is a nested canon, right? Where the, the films yeah. are the most canon. Um, and of the films that are the most canon, right? The ones, um, the original trilogy is sacrosanct. And then um, 
probably the Star Wars stories um, like Rogue One and Solo for now and probably more to come will be seen as something like a second tier of canon, but they're pretty close, right? That's what canon is, is what it yeah. is in cinema. Um, and then if we take a step back, right, the um, the visual guides and other things mm-hmm. um, that are explicitly tied in and um, to the films are a pretty good read at what is the next closest canon. And in that same space, mm-hmm. you'll find the TV shows, um, which um, are now part of the TV shows are now canon in the Star Wars Cinematic Universe, which we can talk about in just a second. Um, but that's like the second tier. And then everything beyond that, right? Like all the novelizations and stuff, mm-hmm. all that fills in as a like as a mostly canon or a sort of canon. And like we know that Disney had its big reset mm-hmm. when Disney mm-hmm. took over. It's like, okay, everything that was expanded universe is now Legends, which is a pretty great term for it because it's like may or may not have happened. Um, And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of the things most fascinating um, about Rise of Skywalker is what it decided to pull in from Legends um, because it drew a lot on like, um, if you had never seen the prequels and if you had never seen um, Force Awakens or Last Jedi but you had read expanded universe novels in like the nineties and then you saw rise of Skywalker, it would not be out of place. Um, I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't really know how to, how to describe it. Um, because it, it, it pulls in, a lot and i mean there's a lot of in in all of the uh in all of the um the the sequel trilogy it pulls in a lot of dark empire one dark empire two and empire's end which was uh the trilogy of comics that tom veitch did um in the early 90s and veitch that that was the clone emperor stuff and um it involved a uh a super weapon that's not that was the galaxy gun which was a lot like star killer base and it also included like uh these these ships that could wipe out a single planet which is a lot like the ship that we saw in uh in the rise of skywalker and then i mean the end uh the end played out a lot like uh, a lot like empire's end as well because uh the the reborn palpatine is uh using this force storm which is essentially what he's doing at the end of uh, the rise of skywalker and um he ends up bringing the the super weapon and the fleet down on himself and killing himself and destroying uh the the world abyss and um so that I mean that that looks a lot like what the end of this movie looked like and and uh the the the, the healing thing that um that that Ray and then bit and then Ben both used was it it looked a lot like what uh what Kate Skywalker uh, did in the legacy comics those are the ones I could think of off the top of my head yeah I don't I don't know how they're going to uh how they're going to massage this, but I'm sure they'll find a way. I mean, <clears throat> that's half of what the, that's half of what the, uh, 
the books and the comics and um, the video games and TV shows are is just massaging the stuff in the movies to like fit it into, you know, it, the canon is never going to be perfectly seamless. There are going to be like knots and chips and things like that in, in it. And the, you know, the TV shows and stuff come along to, uh, to, to smooth that out. You know, that we, we talk a lot about um, the clone wars animated series. And I mean, it did so much to, uh, to rehabilitate like stuff in the prequels that people didn't really, or not people, but, um, some fans didn't really like so you know it's it's happened before and it it will happen with this as well but i mean i don't i don't know how much stuff they're going to do that focuses on this era um after 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 this goes out of the theaters yeah i so one of the things actually um so what's interesting about the clone wars and i think Something I want to um, definitely want to talk about right now is like how the relationship between um, like peripheral material and what we see on film, because the Clone Wars show, the one that came out after the prequel trilogy concluded, um, did a lot really to like flesh out the depth and the relationship of um, Anakin and Obi Wan, um, and you can really see right like that they had a bond and that it was betrayed because it all takes place in between um, episodes two and three. Um, but there was another Clone Wars show, and this is, um, right, we have Clone Wars and then The Clone Wars. The Clone Wars was the longer-running one that was on, um, yeah. I forget what channel it was on, but it was, uh, yeah, yeah. but it's, like, sort of, like, a 3D animated, um, models, and it, uh, does a very long arcs and that, but there was the short one, which was, like, more traditional 2D animation, um, and it had a couple seasons, and what's really interesting about those, um, besides like that one, just did a lot of tidy stuff, connect uh, connective tissue, is it came between um, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And one of the things it did um, is it has a whole long Battle of Coruscant arc um, where you see, um, you meet General Grievous, he uh, shows up and destroys a bunch of Jedi. And then we see him again when he is sent with the Separatist fleet to capture Palpatine. Um, and as part of that, um, it's a long-running battle. It makes him very menacing and powerful. And the last thing that happens in it, really, is as they fly into Coruscant, into, um, into space outside Coruscant, um, Mace Windu crushes General Grievous's heart or his torso and then he starts wheezing um and before that he had just been like a silent not silent but a mostly like menacing heavy breathy robot monster which is amazing um but if you had never so if you see the cartoon and then you immediately watch uh Revenge of the Sith you see this terrifying general who has been injured and you know what's happening but if you didn't see that. Um, and I didn't see that cartoon until easily fifth, um, easily, you know, well over a decade, maybe more than a decade after I saw revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. I had no idea why Grievous was supposed to be a badass. That was like a, yeah. a hidden treat for a subset of fans. Um, and we actually got something like that with rise of Skywalker, um, that, um, in the opening crawl, when they talk, when it's the dead speak, and we hear that Palpatine is back, 
that references an event that took place in the game Fortnite, like the week before. <laughs> um, which, if you are playing Fortnite and super hooked into Star Wars, and then you see the movie in theaters, that's a really special treat. Um, and if you didn't do that, then it's insanity without any bearing or anchor <laughs> or tie to anything that took place previously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to say it any better than that. I, um, it's, uh, God, I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know what to say about this, about this fucking thing. Like, I, okay. I don't want to get, I don't want to give the opinion to anyone that's listening. I mean, I don't know why you would care, but I don't want to give the opinion that like I hate and despise this movie because it is spectacle and it is like just utter complete nonsense and like pushing the force force to the limits of like wonder and amazement, which is something that I really, really enjoy. So like, when I went into this, I, I had low expectations and I said when the original trailer for this came out that Ray was going to be a Palpatine and it, I mean, that doesn't make it any better of a decision in my book, but like, I guess I could, I just let everything wash over me. And so I was like, I'm going to go in and I'm just going to watch this because it's the end of the Skywalker saga and it's going to be what it's going to be. And if I dislike it, like I disliked Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, then I am sure in a few years, like I'll come to like, you know, it's so bad. It's good watch kind of thing. I mean, and, but at the same time, like every criticism of this movie is absolutely fucking spot on. Like 100%. I, 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 I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of a criticism of this movie that I really don't agree with. Uh, I think the only one is that uh, I don't think that J.J. Uh, Abrams and Chris Terrio, not that I have any inside knowledge, I don't believe based on everything that's happening that they set out to um, purposefully uh, uh shit on the last Jedi, even if that's kind of what the film did in a few or a lot of ways. Um, I don't think they set out to do that purposefully um, because if they did, or if Disney wanted that to happen, it would be a really weird um, thing to do when they keep talking about how Ryan Johnson's going to come back. And Kathleen Kennedy said he's working on movies like a week ago. So it would be really weird to do that. And if they, you know, we're really going to do it. They, they could have done a lot worse to Ray. I mean, a lot worse. And they, you know, they could have totally removed Rose from the film and her role sucked, but I don't think it was purposeful to like, uh, to like cater to that subset of fans. I just think that JJ Abrams, Chris Terrio wrote this thing in a vacuum, uh, glommed however much of that on to, uh, Colin Trevorrow's script that they kept around and you know they should have pushed the movie back like if the script was going to be that much of an issue they should have pushed the movie back and yeah and like if they really wanted to to do the uh to do the rhyming with um mm -hmm. 
the rhyming with Jedi, uh, they should have pushed it. They could have done a May release, right? Like even then would have given them enough space yeah. to do it um, in the slightly more forgiving lens of a summer release. Um, I know yeah. like they're probably going to lie about Solo, but the idea of um, releasing Solo but there's a in lot. May or December wasn't going to fix that. I'm, I'm sorry. Like there were a lot of problems with Solo. I'm, I'm sorry. We're talking about something else. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, I think it's also one of the things that, right, is that what the it's hard to understand why they stuck with the release date other than to say they stuck with the release date and the assumption that whatever happened would work. Um, yeah. That, I, that they managed to make five Star Wars movies in five years, of which three were pretty good um is impressive but it's telling right that the latter two struggled um and it's and when and it would have been after some frustration with with how uh with how the immediately preceding movie came it would have been fine to say like we're going to take it back and we know this is important to get right Mm -hmm. because they had the cast they had the setup they had the resources to do it they just had a weird fixation on the calendar yeah, I completely agree. Let me uh, let me present the cynical um, case for why this happened. It's because Disney had to uh, keep their shareholders in mind. You there, uh, Kelsey? Hmm. Luke, you appear to have lost Kelsey. Yo, hey, there we are. Um, Did it just cut out for you for a bit? Oh, yeah. Uh, You were talking, and I started responding, and did not, you know, it's fine. What was the, I'm sorry, what was the last thing you said? Well, so we're talking, I was saying that the the calendar, right, it seems like the thing that would have helped most is moving away from the set release day Mm -hmm. and giving it more time to make the script yeah better and the other thing right the the um the other thing that hangs over this movie um is that if the first of the new trilogy is han solo's movie and the second is luke skywalker's movie and the third should have been uh leia organa's movie um and tragically it could not be um Mm -hmm. right we we uh, we lost Carrie Fisher. They had some footage um, from earlier films that they could work mm-hmm. with, some recorded lines, but they couldn't without without her around. You can't really do the send off the character deserves on screen. And they could have said, "Okay, what we're going to do is because of that, we're going to push the date back and we're going to figure it out." Um, and there's lots of options, right? You could still make a Leia centric film where you bring in a different actress they could have done the weird thing they do which they do a little bit in this one and they did in um rogue one where you have a like cgi'd approximation um but that's hard for a character who has to hold their own against uh real people on on film and so you could have but they could have said right we need to take a break and we need to figure out how to write this movie differently um and they didn't and it shows okay um, so it, it's like, 
I I understand what you're saying. And I completely agree. They could have done so much more, but at the same time, I think the cynical observation is just that Disney, like they wanted to get this out for their shareholders. Like, I mean, that's like they wanted to get it out because it would make money and it would be a huge bump. And, you know, and I mean, it's still going to make a lot of money because, you know, they will relentlessly market it and they will, they'll like put it back out in theaters, you know, and they'll do stuff like that. And, you know, so, and then, and then the other thing, or on the other hand, I kind of think that they just really wanted to be done with the Skywalker thing. Like I kind of do like there's just been so much going on and like this movie changed from Trevorrow to JJ and I mean, and then they brought Chris Terrio in, who's the guy that did Batman versus Superman. And I mean, like, you know, I don't, I don't know that that was the best idea that that has ever happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, they could have, you know, they, they could have pushed it back. They could have, um, they could have done even more reshoots. They, I mean, they could have done a lot of stuff it, The thing is, like, the fact that they did it and they absolutely know that they can do stuff like that indicates to me that they were like, okay, you know, like, I, I, and when I say they, I mean, you know, like, like people very high up at like Disney, not like, uh, you know, not like, not like JJ was like rushing it out or something, you know, just the Disney wanted their shareholders to, whatever and that's what it is and that's how we got this thing yeah i mean it feels so much of it feels for a story ostensibly about hope so much of what we see on screen is cynical or feels as though it's the result of a cynical process um that it's all on track to like it's it's on track to a victory because that's what it's going to do but there's not really there's maybe a couple moments in the film where it feels like they are taking a risk to make it feel more rather than just assuming that you're on board with everything that's happening and dragging you to the finish line yeah that's yeah I mean yeah I don't I didn't expect more but I really hoped that it wasn't you know that it wasn't gonna do what it did and I mean like uh, um I like I, I really like um I like Ian McDiarmid as uh, as Palpatine. Like he's just a great actor in that role, and so like having him back is something that I like because he just chews scenery, and he's just this like bombastic like super villain. And you know, so having him back is something that, while like it's absolutely ludicrous in terms of the canon that exists at the same time. It's like, you know, they can, 
they can massage it enough to make it, you know, seem whatever. It's just like, but you know, then they make Rhea Palpatine and I'm just like, Oh God, <sighs> fine. Like whatever. Like what, why are, why are we even, why are we even doing this? <laughs> like, God damn it. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. So, I will say, right, like McDermott is like if you're going to make the choice to make Palpatine, which is which is clearly the direction they decided to go into and leaned hard into, then McDermott gets to do what he does best, which is be the best part of the worst Star Wars movies. Um, he How dare is you, Revenge of the Sith is good. I will not stand for the slander. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I mean, I was I was struggling in in leaving Rise of the Skywalker if I feel. Like it is how it is in relation to Revenge of the Sith. Um, Because I feel a lot of the acting and craft of uh, Rise of Skywalker is cleaner. um, And the dialogue feels less, um, not even robotic, just less detached from how humans talk but sith had a clearer plot and a clearer arc um and regardless yeah. right mcdermott is one of the better parts of of both he leans full into camp and makes it meaningful yeah um yeah i mean he's like so one of the things that for me with revenge of the sith so i, I get why people don't like it like I, I get it i get all the complaints i completely understand it but at the same time it's that thing where people who really like it people who really genuinely like the prequels where they talk about how it's this mix of camp but there's also like there's the fun like um there's the fun like tinge that the prequels have and they're less they're a little less somber for the most part until you get to Revenge of the Sith and that's where like i think it it does the things where people who really like the prequels talk about and it's weird because even even with the rise of skywalker like Attack of the Clones and The Phantom Menace are still my two least favorite Star Wars movies by by a wide margin, but I love Revenge of the Sith. And so, like, I, I agree. I went into this with the same mindset where I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this and I'm just going to treat it like Revenge of the Sith. Like, it's just going to be, it has to wrap up these storylines and everything like that. And it just didn't do a great job like even if you don't like any of the prequels you don't like revenge of the sith or whatever that's cool ewan mcgregor as obi-wan just he just commands everything on there and like yes the 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 lightsaber battle almost far is far too long it's like nine minutes but at the same time holy shit at least it did that bombast really well like if you're going to lean into, if you're going to lean into the camp, you have to lean all the way in and you can't do this like maudlin schmaltz thing where like, why the hell did like, she thinks she blew up Chewie's ship with the force lightning, which the force lightning was badass. Like I, that's absolutely badass. I love it. That's amazing. But like, why did she think she blew up Chewie's ship? And then like, they didn't say anything else about it. Like what the fuck? 
Yeah, and there's like there's so so some of these feel like little touches, right? Like what if um so I thought I like no one left the theater when I saw it when when Chewie's ship blew up, but it seemed like that was the moment where it might have happened. Um where the ship the where we're on the I forget the name of that planet. We're on the different desert planet. Chewie's been captured because everyone wandered off one at a time. Chewie gets captured, they fly uh the first order flies away if you had set it up right if you see two ships go down then it's at least set up well um and then the other thing too is one of the things we know clearest about the force is that people the force the the force sensitive characters can feel the deaths of ones they care about yeah either stick with it and have have ray kill Chewie and then have to wrestle with that tragedy which is rough but real and have her feel it or or it's like a different thing or have the have two ships fly away and one of them blows up um because there has to be a way for this character who we know can perceive things like this to either be fooled or experience it it felt um, it was really cool. It does. It shows the power. It shows the kind of power they're trying to do. And untrained, right? Like we see, um, it's a it's a it's a very minor note in uh, Return of the Jedi. But when Luke enters Jabba's palace, right, he force chokes and shoves the Gamoran guards. Um, and it's minor, right? But we see him in all black and he's like shoving people around the way Sith would. And it's a little hint that he is not quite above board, not quite all light side yet. And Ray doing full lightning is really like, it's a powerful moment. And then it moves on from the idea of there being powerful moments ever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't like... I don't know. I don't know. Like it's just uh it's like there was no there were no stakes to anything. Like it, it really felt like that. And the only thing that had stakes was was Ben dying. And I get it. I absolutely get it. We've talked about it on the show, talked about it on Twitter, like I figured he was getting redeemed. They were doing the, the Raylo thing for a long time. And so, you know, I made peace with it. I didn't, I didn't want it to happen after the last Jedi, but whatever, it's going to happen. Fine. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world, but, but then they do it. And I'm like, I know he's going to die. I know he's going to die because that's the thing that, that closes off all the questions about like redemption. And how do you, how does the galaxy actually deal with, with this 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 thing this person that they've seen not thing this person that they've seen as an animal like and who who was a who is a, a savage war criminal like how do you deal with that because if they're redeemed by the force they're redeemed by the force but you still have to live in the galaxy and i knew they weren't going to do it like i i knew it because it would take it would take too much effort for it to be good and and he killed or he he brought her back, which is really cool after she saved him earlier. And 
and then he died. But like that whole thing with Ben Solo and Ray, like uh, that was great. Like that was the best. Everything with Ben and Ray and Palpatine was the best. Like in the film, I, I, obviously I'm not a fan of like the Ray Palpatine thing, but like just the characters and the acting that went along with that was great to me. You know, like yeah, I want to. I agree. I think of the arcs that were handed off from Last Jedi and and through the thing, they absolute. I think they handled that the best. I mean, there's 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 stuff in it, but if right, if we're we're, we're leaning into to Ray Palpatine mm-hmm. and we're leaning into Ben Demption, then the fact that she realize that she realizes she has great and dark power that she kills him and then heals him that she's learned healing independently is neat. And then that she, Mm -hmm. that's what she does, right. Rather than just letting him Mm -hmm. die on the death star, she heals him and leaves. Um, and then he comes back and heals her, right? Like Mm -hmm. we force healing is the power rumored through it's what Darth Vader is after. It's nothing he has. Um, it's the power he's most after or in Anakin is before, um, yeah. in the prequel trilogy. And then they do it really well. And I also think um, in between, in between when we have um, them on the Death Star or like that, it's before they're on the Death Star. It's before um, they are in the, the Sith Temple in Exegol. The part where sh- they, they are dueling they are in. They are physically in two different places, but dueling in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, the duel mm-hmm. in his room, and also uh, the I don't know the Dickensian cold planet. Um, that works really well for me. I think the fact that they show that connection, they carry that up, that they're able to that the force is more confusing than we think that they're in the same space, but also not that they're able, that it's able to have a physical impact from stealing the necklace to the, the lightsaber fight to destroying the Darth Vader uh, mm-hmm. mask to going um, to the final part where it built, where it finally pays off with the lightsaber handoff in the final duel. Excellent. I thought that was, that was some of the best stuff in that. The bond that Ray and Ben have is is very similar to the bond that uh, Revan and Bastila have, and um, they make each other stronger. They heal each other through the Force, and I mean, they just they gave it a name. They called it a Force Dyad instead of just calling it a Force Bond. And I mean, like whatever, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. It's the same damn thing. Um, but uh, it, it's it's very um it's very interesting and the thing with 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 han on on the death star like i get it he's got to like he's got to relive he's got to face the the moment where the that he truly turned like in his mind the moment that was supposed to make him like pure in the dark side and it didn't and so now he has to um so now he has to relive that. He has to face that final test and not do it again, you know, not give up on himself. And then he just tosses the lightsaber away. And yeah, 
I thought it. I thought it. Uh, it had the movie. I'll say this had good constituent parts, and there were good set pieces. But the lore and the background to those set pieces and the connective tissue is bare, bare bones, bare, bare bones. Yeah, and like some of like some of the more the better the better stuff that is done feels like like really good set design. Um, I think one of the things I really I liked I wrote I left pretty pretty uh, frustrated with the film and I wanted to like make sure that when we're doing this I had a list of things I could say. <laughs> that I appreciated about it. Um, and one of the things on there is just like the jar of Snokes. Um, <laughs> we see Kylo going to Exegol first. And like, sure. And they're like, oh yeah, Snoke was just like a creation of Palpatine. Like, all right, we're leaning full into, into this thing. And I'm, it was not what I anticipated in the film, but I'm accept, but I'm, I'm bringing myself around to, this is what it is now. And then you just see, right? Like there's this, this tank with like multiple Snokes in it in like this eerie green gold glow. That was awesome. That works, right? Oh, like yeah. It's super campy. It's, yeah. it's, it's the weirdness of it. I remember being like eight years old and reading like a Dark Empire comic mm-hmm. where there's people going through and uh, destroying these jars that hold clones of Palpatine. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get it, right? Like this is a thing that happens and we know cloning is there and this is weird dark cloning. I think it worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the other like things that, that I, I want to uh, mention that like is a smaller touch um, that, that played off really well is when Ray is hearing force ghosts um, or hearing the yeah. voices of Jedi. They brought in Jedi from the uh, TV shows, yeah, so good. which I thought yeah. worked yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That was awesome. I uh, I like like it I'm I'm so it's so easy to buy my good to buy my goodwill in Star Wars. Like it's so easy. You don't have to have a coherent plot. You don't, you know, like I mean Return of the Jedi doesn't have a coherent plot. I mean it really doesn't, but you know it's still great because it's, you know, because it's Return of the Jedi and like, you know, having Ahsoka and Kanan in there. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That God damn it. What? Like, and and I know it, I know that they're, I know that, that they're just pushing that button and I'm like, you son of a bitch, you had to do it. Didn't you You gave Leia the lightsaber? And that was the first thing. And I should have known I was in trouble. And then you had Luke training Leia and that was cool. We'll leave like you know Leia's reasoning for like not not training or not staying with the Jedi or whatever was silly. But like you know that that was cool. And and then like she has her own lightsaber at the end, and that's awesome. But we didn't get to see her make it, and like all the stuff around it is just so frustrating because like, yeah, it like, it was cool to have like the disembodied voices talking to her. And I mean that like, that's awesome. But at the same time, it's uh, like, why? Like just, just have the force ghost con, like just, just have all of them. 
every every one of them let's just let's bring them all back i want to see everyone i want to see like uh i want to see even like the random jedi who like died and who were only showed up in like the movies like once or twice like uh even peel who's that little pig looking guy in um on the Jedi Council and Revenge of the Sith and like Oppo Rensis is that thing that looks like a snake, like a like a like a furry <laughs> snake. Like I mean just show all of that shit. Because like why not? Like I mean I get like some of it like would look even worse than what we got did, but at the same time, like just come the fuck on. <laughs> I just like why didn't I get Wait, to see Hayden Christensen again? Why not? <laughs> Right, like if they're leaning in, if they're leaning into like the the camp and the fan service, right? Why was there no, right? Right, Hayden Christensen is the obvious one. Why no force like Kit Fisto? Like, there's a bunch of things they could have done. Um, one of the things, right? So like Leia, you can see the bones of the movie they wanted yeah. to make around Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, and I think you could have done so much more with with less. And like some of that means you leave footage on the topic floor that you have like you just you don't put it in um i have um we'll get to it we'll get to it later i have a like alternative scroll like opening scroll to set up what i think could have happened and that's you know deeply indulgent but whatever this is our <laughs> podcast um but before we get to that right when with with how they had Leia there if what if right they had they used the little bit of footage they had of her and ray from that they recorded on the set of Force Awakens, um, and as and if they used a little bit of that, um, and then they had the Leia saber is really cool. The reason for her being trained and then giving it up does a disservice to the character, mm-hmm. and it's one of the things where if they had done a little bit less with the character, they could have made it a much cooler thing. Yeah. Um, they could have made it a more interesting statement about who she was that she had it, but she was still leading. Right. Because like the first thing we say, right. Is that Obi-Wan is general. Right. And what if, and what if we leave it at that? Right. It rhymes, it rhymes mm-hmm. with Obi-Wan having been a general. If Leia, her path through the force is that she is a general and she has a lightsaber and we don't see it for like the obvious reason that they didn't film fight scenes, but the canon reason that, she was never really on the front lines, but kept it with her. And then it was handed mm-hmm. off later. Um, and then you don't have to have the thing about her, like going down the path of Jedi and then abandoning it because of a thing that we know happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, it also, one of the things that is weird about it, right. Is so return of the Jedi. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Luke is return of the Jedi is the first, one to give us a lightsaber color other than um, blue or yeah. red, right? We get Luke's green yeah. saber, um, and we get uh, Mace Windu's purple lightsaber in Attack of the Clones, um, and then I think there's and that's that so far the extent of colors, right? We have four colors of lightsabers in film canon. Yeah. What if the Leia saber had been white? What if the blade? had been white, right? It references her early stuff. It works out well. It is distinct enough. It still goes in and looks good. I don't know. The blue That it was a blue blade again was a little underwhelming. And I was like, when are we going to see another lightsaber color? And we get yeah. one, right? We get the ray saber, which is gold. But we get that scene 
is muddled in a lot of reasons. And one of the things, like, I love a new lightsaber color, big fan of it, but it happens after she buries the other two lightsabers at basically where the whole thing starts. And so if the idea, right, is that this is done, it is time to let the past rest, it is time to move forward, we are putting aside these weapons from an ancient age, then if that's the symbolism they're going for, immediately turning on a different lightsaber undermines. Yeah, I don't... So I don't think that's what they were going for, like with the burying the sabers. I think the burying the sabers was literally just to indicate that this is the end of the Skywalker saga. Like it is that on the nose. I don't think that they were going for something else. Like, uh, like I mean, I- I've seen people suggest a lot of stuff and I'm just like, I mean, sure. But uh, I mean, that just doesn't seem like what JJ was going for, like at all. It's just... I think it was, I think, I think people in some ways are like falling into the trap of trying to assign too much meaning to this when it, it, all of this, all, everything in this is text. There is no subtext in this movie. JJ Abrams has met directors who use subtext and they're all cowards and it's like to me that's how it is and like maybe i'm wrong and i'm fine being wrong but it and i'm not saying don't like read i'm not i'm not saying don't enjoy it or like don't read too much into it or whatever because it's a star wars podcast and we obviously read too much into everything but at the same time i'm kind of saying that like J.J. Abrams is not the subtext guy that Ryan Johnson is. Hell, he's not the subtext guy that yeah. that that Irving that obviously not that Irving Gershner was, and he probably isn't the subtext guy that uh, Richard Marquand. Richard is it's Richard, right? Yeah, I think it is. Um, it, from from Return of the Jedi, like he's just not, and he's hell, he's not even the subtext guy who, uh, from from the original trilogy because. He's not. He doesn't have that input for people like uh, the Kasdans and Marshall Lucas to uh, to to give it more depth, which is good. I mean, like yeah. in the original trilogy, it's good that, that George Lucas had those things. Like it's it, it's fine to have to have like I don't know. The only way I can think of it, it's fine to have like an outside super ego that just comes in and is like, "Whoa, let's cut." All let's cut the, let's cut the the threads in this movie down by half. Like let's let's take some of this away and nope. He and I mean and the thing about it is is when I like when we talk about this being written in a vacuum, like Abrams, I think it was either Abrams or Terrio who are the two writers on this. One of them has said that they basically sat down in a room and came up with cool ideas and like wrote them down on like a, like uh, they had like three or four pages of like single space, like ideas of really cool things to do. And then they just put them onto a script and that is what they did. And yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, like, so there's a couple, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So there's one there's one moment which is like this is not there's a moment in the film that reads 
as having a subtext that we know from the, uh, I think it's from the visual dictionary where it clarifies something that was apparently in an original, a earlier cut or draft of the script and then left out. Um, and that's where we see Lando sitting uh, with Jana at the end. Um, and earlier, apparently there was a scene where Lando talked about having had his children conscripted away. And we know that Jana is a conscript. Um, and so that's right. Like that's, should be text in the film that he is a old man looking for his daughter. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but and without the previous scenes, yeah, go up, ahead. But without the previous scene setting up that he had the daughter, um, or that he had children who were who were taken from him, then it doesn't work that way. And that's just like that was just a minor mm-hmm. one I wanted to to mention that makes Lando uh, Billy D. Williams otherwise like just very charming performances. Lando feel a little weird, and that's the editing failing him and not, yeah, not really anything else. Yeah. I mean, that was the only way that like Jenna and Lando being related worked because otherwise it just feels racist on some levels. But I mean, like you could make a good story about like, you know, the, the stormtrooper rebellion that was apparently in the film as late as like September. And then it got taken out and, what the you know what what the hell like i mean it got taken out so late that there are a bunch of references to it in the visual dictionary and it's just like whew, what was the production of this thing like like jesus christ Like, and I imagine it's one of the things we'll hear more, right? That like that that the film exists and it exists on time, mm-hmm. right? Is maybe the most impressive story the film is telling. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's true. Like it's it's yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, why don't you why don't you uh, go through like you know the opening or the the different way that it could have been presented? Because sure. you know the other option is that we just sit here and uh, do. Um, and we just read the Dark Empire comics aloud. Like, I mean, I, I can do the voice, you know, I can do the Palpatine, like, yes, be the voice, you know, and, and then, you know, like, we can do that. It'll be fun. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Sure. So there is, um, I want to get to, so I, so I have, I have an alternative, alternate scroll that I think you could have built something with. And obviously this is me just throwing something into the wind. I want to get to after that, we can, we have, um, there's like a paragraph from George Lucas himself mm-hmm. about what he had originally conceived of the third trilogy. Um, and it's insane. And I think that's really interesting. And so I'll get to that later, but I want to, um, so here, um, is sort of with the pieces they have in place from the previous two movies of the sequel trilogy, here is kind of how I see an opening scroll working for um for the ninth and final chapter of the skywalker saga um and i want a uh, quick note the title i am borrowing from um i believe i saw it first from matt sapara on twitter and the first paragraph um comes uh from ec breen who who got me on this kick of trying to rewrite a different um a different opening crawl opening crawl so episode nine knights of the republic It has been six years since General Leia Organa's death. In her absence, the Valiant Resistance, led by General Poe Dameron and Rey, 
builds an underground network of freedom fighters to oppose the reach of the new empire. As war leader Hux conscripts the children of the galaxy into an unstoppable army to occupy what remains of the cowed Galactic Republic, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren searches through those conscripts for a force-sensitive apprentice to carry on his lineage. On the distant world of Dantooine, Chewbacca meets with an old smuggler who has information about the new empire's child camps. And then it would trail off and we would have a setup of a first scene where, or first, a first segment, right? If we're trying to rhyme with, um, with Return of the Jedi, you need a first chapter that is its sort of like self-contained story. Um, and then we have that with like Chewbacca and Lando sort of reprising roles there. And anyway, that's as far as I got. I'm not trying to write a script here, but the thing that struck me about this film, the bones I wanted to build more on um, is that what's horrifying about the First Order, right? The, what's horrifying about the Empire is it's totalitarian. What is horrifying about the First Order is it is taking children um, to build its army. Um, and we know that from Force Awakens, right? Finn is a conscript who can't, who uh, deserts after um, refusing to take part in a massacre. And we know that they're talking about, like, what does it take to get children? Um, and we see it in this one, right? One of the more affecting moments is when First Order troops are going door to door um, on a planet looking for for children to recruit. Um, and we meet Janna, who is a, a conscript who refused to carry out orders and deserted. Um, and I think that's really an interesting place to take it. Um, it sort of goes back. You can talk about how the clones of the prequels exist because the empire didn't or Palpatine didn't want to do that then, but now desperate times go for it. You can have Kylo Ren looking for four sensitives. You could even have Palpatine working through the first order for four sensitive people. Um, and it also sets it up where what if whatever the lineage of Ray's parents, what if the thing they most wanted to do was keep her out of the war that they leaving her on Jakku was a way to keep her from that conscription. And I think that's a powerful through line um, that would have made it uh, carry, carry some weight. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just, that mm -hmm. was just where I was going. Yeah. I mean, but then we'd have to, uh, we'd have to uh, get a coherent script and movie together. So uh, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's frustrating, but it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. I mean, there's there's things in it. It would build from like when we see that like little four sensitive child mm -hmm. at the end of Last man, Jedi. The kid. Oh, there's man. the moment. America, America longs to know what happened to the broom kid. America, as defined by me, Kelsey, Abbott, longs <laughs> to know what happened to broom kid. Um, it would also, though, there's moments where we get hints of what this this is, of where we get the feel that it's a broader struggle, right? Um, something weird about the sequel trilogy relative to the others is that almost all of the sequel trilogy takes place within the confines of the, mili of the respective militaries. Yeah. There's, there's very few moments where it is people in the world who are not planning and fighting and like some of that's the nature of the story but 
Return of the Jedi opens with an interlude to deal with like a a gangster. Um, we get Bespin, which is like sort of neutral or, mm-hmm. or is a is a place that is not it's touched by war, but it's not like they go to the armed base at mm-hmm. Bespin. Um, and like Mos Eisley, right? You see the Empire is there, but it's a place that is fundamentally not about being part of the Empire. And we lose that in the sequel trilogy. Um, we see it on Gemma, which is like the one thing we get, right? Is we see a little bit of that on Gemma. That's um, the world where uh, they use Babu Frick to reset the mm-hmm. C-3PO. Um, and that's interesting. Um, and then we see also the other thing where we get a real sense that this is a broader conflict um, before the credit sequence is when they when they asks um, what fleet is that when the as the first order faces all of the ships in the galaxy mm. and the what fleet is that I think it's just people that was a good moment that's sort of the ethos you get the kind of thing if you're mm-hmm. trying to tell a story of mass resistance to a nightmare army then that's a really cool way to tell it and I wish there was more of that yeah yeah. Agreed. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. It's, um, it's a movie. It happened. It can't unhappen. It's a movie. It can't unhappen. And so now we are in a world where it's canon. <laughs> um, it did, we did, see the, uh, it canonized, or at least the visual dictionary canonized, a couple of things from um, the legends. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, you know, on the whole, we might have to say that the, that it's actually very good. Um, that the, that the rise of Skywalker is very good because uh, the visual dictionary gave us a reference to Revan. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's that. I mean, you know, however, however far that gets you. <laughs> Uh, so here, so so how about as we as we wind down? How about I bring up the uh, here's George Lucas's um, idea for the sequel trilogy, um, and this comes well, this comes from Wikipedia and it comes from an interview with George Lucas in 2018. But quote: the next three Star Wars films were going to get into a microbiotic world. There's this world of creatures that operate differently than we do. I call them the wills. Um, that's spelled W-H-I-L-L-S. The wills are the ones who actually control the universe. They feed off the force. Back in the day, I used to say, ultimately, what this means is we were just cars, vehicles for the wills to travel around in, or vessels for them. And the conduit is the midi-chlorians. The midi-chlorians are the ones that communicate with the wills. The wills, in a general sense, they are the force. But it's about symbiotic relationships. I think, personally, one of the core values we should have in the world, and kids should be taught, is ecology. To understand that we all are connected. End quote. So that's what George Lucas wanted. George Lucas wanted a sequel trilogy that goes deeper into midichlorians and the idea that the force is a blood disease um, and a blood disease that warps people to its interest rather than their own. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a thing. That, that, yep. I really hope they don't fuck up the KOTOR movie. That, oh man. Oh god. I really hope they don't fuck it up. At least the, at least the, the Game of Thrones guys aren't writing it anymore. Jesus. Oh man. The most reassuring thing is that Disney has said it's going to take a break um, from cranking out more Star Wars movies. And I think, right, if we look at the if we look at the sequels um, and the new the Disney era, the first Disney era of Star Wars, right, um, just shy of half of all Star Wars movies now are Disney. Um, I refuse to count the Clone Wars movie that was just a few episodes stapled together as anything else as a actual film. Um, and of of the five movies that Disney produced in the Star Wars universe, I think um, two of them are genuinely great, and one of them is pretty all right, and a couple of them are um, extremely messy with interesting pieces inside of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, The Last Jedi is really good. Uh, Rogue One is really good. The Force Awakens is something. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, and like there's stuff, right? And I think one of the things, right, that hopefully when they're done sitting down, when they, when they, when they have their big meeting and rather than coming up with a list of all the things they want to put on in it and then just, uh, ramming that through production if they sit down like what what are we leaving behind what are we leaving in the skywalker saga i think one of the things they can do um and who knows if they will but they can maybe step away from bloodlines they can step away from death stars um i was i had forgotten until i rewatched it but there's like a little there's a the battering ram in Last Jedi is also Death Star technology. And so the fact that, like, even though there's not even a Death Star in that one, that there's Death Star-related things in all three of the sequel movies, it's like, okay. More, more super weapons. More that. super weapons, man. Just wait until we get to... Um, ah, shit. The, the Old Republic MMO, there's a comic attached to it, and it has, like... This, they they have a they have a place where they're just building super weapons and like they show up and there are like twelve of them just sitting side by side in this like <laughs> giant system like the system that they have cordoned off and and they're just like twelve or thirteen super weapons like there's the star collider and the um the star collider too <laughs> yes that's like you know and it's like. I mean, like, if if you're gonna go, if you're going all in on like the camp and everything like that, then yeah, hell yeah, go, go whole hog and do the Starship Troopers thing that that Verhoeven did. But like, yeah, no, no more super weapons unless I'm getting the Star Forge. I don't want to see any more super weapons. I mean, I'll accept a mass shadow generator too, but that's you know that's my own thing. So, well, I think. I mean, I'm not even, like, opposed to super weapons themselves. I'm opposed to 
What's the super weapon do? It destroys a planet. What's this super weapon do? It destroys a lot of planets all at once. What's this super weapon do? Well, based on the planet destroying thing, it destroys doors. Well, what's this super weapon yeah. do? Well, it destroys a planet, but you put it on a star destroyer. Just do a different thing with a super weapon. What if the Sith fleet from Exegol was siphoning life like Sith style, like Darth Nihilus? What if they were doing other <laughs> things with it. What oh, if- my God. I just had an idea of J.J. doing Darth Nihilus. And, whew, man, like Darth Nihilus already, Darth Nihilus already, like, you have to dig a lot to get that subtext anyway. But, who boy. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, sure, force vampire, yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah. do something yeah, No, you're different. absolutely right. Oh. I just, Jesus. Yeah. It's just. I don't even I don't even know what to say about it. Like sometimes, like I like the bones. The sinew of it is fucking terrible, though. Like I, I don't. I like. Uh. And there's stuff, right? I think it's going to be a. I think. I mean, it's obviously right. It's it's a Star Wars movie, and this is the internet. People are already coming up with all the things. Um, and so we don't need to go through like the film practice stuff of like why it makes sense to have an A plot and the B plot and the C plot so that you can cut yeah. between things rather than jumping between things. Um, but really, like the essence of the movie is captured in the first few minutes where you get a scroll that sets up a whole bunch of things different than the previous movies, which is like fine, whatever. Star Wars yeah. does that. And then you get a chase where there's a little bit of really interesting potential and you get glimpses into interesting worlds, but it's, yeah, it's so fast that then you catch up and it's like, okay. And then here we are. And what are we doing with all of this? Um, I don't know. I think there's stuff. I think it's going to be a really, I mean, it's Canon. It is, it is Canon. And we're going to move on from it with it as yeah i mean like the the thing about it is is that um return of the jedi already like they they did this where they massaged a lot of the stuff out of uh out of empire or not massaged it out but like you know they they changed it a little bit and and then there were you know there's a lot of stuff that this movie changed from the last Jedi and it wasn't a great idea to change it. But at the same time, um, you know, in like three or four or five years, we'll probably look back on this and like, they will have massaged it some way or, you know, you know, they, they will have explained it some way in comics and like, you know, it'll, it'll be the same thing that they've done with, with everything else. And then we'll be, uh, yeah. Then we won't have to worry about it, any, you know. Yeah. Like the the good thing, I guess the good thing is that we're that we're moving away from the Skywalker saga. So like maybe we can get to, to some of the other like thousands of years that they have that they have uh, in the back catalog. And one of the things too that I think um, is sort of my my closing note here, right, is that Star Wars as a as a canon and a setting is pretty resilient to um the quality of the films around which it is anchored um it's such an interesting place to be in and set things 
that um, the prequels themselves, which uh, rough, um, but they gave us um, two different, very one very good and one um, mostly okay with some very high moments cartoons that like really if you want to sink into star wars if you want to see what that universe looks like you want to play in that space of of galactic civilizations and battles and space wizards with laser swords then it's there right there's plenty of it there um i mean we're going through right we have how many episodes are we in without having even really touched on cinematic canon except how like it reflects back what has been put in legends um there's so much to put in this universe um that star wars as a thing is obviously going to be totally fine to it and maybe there will be movies that are interesting in good ways and maybe there will be more movies that are interesting in frustrating ways um, and it'll just still be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's let's just hope it is. And um, yeah, let's, let's hope that the stuff they do for, uh, for old Republic, if they do, it is uh, not frustrating because then I guess I'll be one of those really mad or upset people online. So uh, yeah, well, everybody will be able to laugh at me. I'll be mad online. Um. Yeah. Well. Well, it's okay. I as I as I said afterwards that I love being mad online and talking about Star Wars and and I have made my peace. Exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about what is interesting. Um, and you know, let the yeah, past die. So yeah, let it uh, kill it, kill it if you have to. All right, let's close this one out. Um, without a formal closeout. Kelsey, thank you for uh, talking about this um, sometimes glory or some, you know, this, this wonderful spectacle, but uh, ultimately frustrating Star Wars movie. Is it what, it, where does it fit in your Star Wars movie rankings? Is it, is it the last, is it, is it the worst? Is it, where, where does it fit? So I, so I struggled with it in my rankings at putting it between um, it is somewhere between around Solo and Revenge of the Sith for me, which I find to be the edge of I will watch this and enjoy it and not watch it and Mm -hmm. be frustrated. Um, And I don't know how that will change. I should qualify it with when I saw it it was in 3D, which I don't particularly recommend. Um, I found that to be just more uh, a little dizzying and uh, upsetting, and that's that's all on me. That's yeah. not on the film. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, it it'll, it might rise, um, but I don't think there are easily six better Star Wars movies, um, and there might be more than that. How about you? Mm. Well. It's better than Attack of the Clones. It's better than The Phantom Menace. It's probably better than Solo. And, uh, yeah, it's better than The Force Awakens to me. That should tell you everything you need to know about how I feel about The Force Awakens. Uh, yeah, so, uh, 
It was something. I don't know. Like, I'd love stuff about all of them. You know, there'll be something from this that that I'll really come back to. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to. I don't know what to say other than that. Frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, I have something to so so. I imagine we'll be getting back to to canon in the next week or two as we go through the the mm-hmm. um, as we work our way through Kotor too. But we do have. Um, Hopefully, we will also be doing an episode on probably the one uh, universally regarded worst Star Wars thing ever made, um, which is the holiday special, which is not canon, um, though it references canon and plays into canon. And I'm excited, I think, after this to look at something that is so fundamentally messy, there is nothing to salvage from it, really. Um and it is universally reviled um, by uh, such discerning uh, tastes as George Lucas um, and others. So I think that'll be a fun one for yeah. us. Yep. That'll be fun. Anyway, thanks for listening to uh, People's History of the Old Republic. You know how the outro to this shit goes. Hope you. I hope you enjoyed the film. I really do. Because it's a lot better when you enjoy when you enjoy it than uh, than when you don't. <laughs>